connected to the rest of the city, but for all our interaction with it, it feels as if there are drawbridges that keep out the would-be brigands and freebooters. They are among us on these sidewalks, but we don't notice them. The chubby minority girls in their sweatpants and string-strap day packs, the boys on their way to the community college with their heavy parkas and earphones, rapping as they strut. They are local color. Harmless, we tell ourselves, as unlikely to cause havoc as the pizza delivery man or the fellow from Guatemala who works at the deli. So it is a shock when an icy hand reaches in and ruins a life. We wake up to the news and feel that a blade has scraped against our heart. We look at our children and wonder how we let them become so exposed, but then the sense of safety, the cordoned-off warmth. Wasn't that always the aberration? An island of gentle deceit in a dark, hostile sea of truth, truth, truth? I see my friends across the street, fellow fathers in their late thirties, prosperous professionals in the arts. There is the sculptor, the playwright, the film producer, the memoirist, the photographer, even the contractor, our local thug, most of them ostensibly artists, but actually businessmen. They believe their awareness of their own hypocrisies keeps them from being hypocrites. I'm not an artist qua artist as they are, but most days I join them and we make our way in twos and threes to a steakhouse recently taken to serving breakfast. We convene in a large round booth, ordering coffee, eggs, toast, cream of wheat. We spread out newspapers and discuss films, television, political candidates, sports. You know what this bantering conversation is like. We tell ourselves that our palaver is wittier, cleverer than most, unique, somehow. We are artists, writers, professional hipsters of one sort or another, and so we must be funnier than you. But then we would think that, wouldn't we? We are here, in this privileged canton, in this city, in this gilded era. So why shouldn't we be confident that our banter surpasses yours? Yet this morning there is a rift, as an argument clouds the usual jocularity. A young girl, twelve years old, has been violated just a few blocks north of here, on a street banked by multi-million dollar lofts. The men around this table are divided as to the threat, the appropriate level of fear, the correct response. Details are scant. She was letting herself into her building and was followed. That much is clear. Yet what happened after that is murky. The defiler joined her in the elevator, took her to the basement, and then... What? Nobody is sure. The newspaper accounts make clear she was not sodomized or penetrated. Did he compel her to touch him? What exactly happened? Sumner, the film producer, is the most visibly concerned. He says that this is not the first time he has heard of young women being molested in the neighborhood. Why, there was the day last spring when Sumner himself was part of a group of concerned parents who chased a suspicious man with a camera from a local park. 
Sumner, slightly older, graying around a shiny dome, bushy beard, handsome in an avuncular kind of way, looks around the table as if expecting huzzas for his bravery at keeping the park free of sex offenders. He holds forth in his distinctive voice. It is throaty, almost hoarse. I have a good ear for voices and cadences, and Sumner has stretches during which he speaks in almost perfect two-two time. That rhythm makes it very hard to interrupt him. Within five hundred yards of where we are sitting right now, he says sternly, there are five thousand registered sex offenders. Shut the fuck up, Sumner, the playwright says. What a big man you are, Sumner, I say, keeping the neighborhood safe. You can laugh, Sumner says, but this is a serious issue, a real issue.